Oh, say can you see? No, I'm not going to do that. Welcome to the Ryder Cup 2021 show. We are the Tour Junkies. DB, Pat, we are pumped. It's Ryder Cup 2021, y'all. Let's go. From Whistling Straits, we are ready to roll. Team USA, let's get after it. We're going to have a great show tonight, as always, presented by our friends at Fantasy National Golf Club. Uh, if you go to fantasynational.com slash TJ, you can get all the things you need. If you bet on golf, you play fantasy golf, you do any sort of golf wagering, season-long leagues, whatever, one-and-dones, doesn't matter, uh, go ahead to fantasynational.com slash TJ. That gets you 20% off any membership package that you want, weekly, monthly, annual memberships. Just get the whole year and, and have the rest, the, all the PJ Tour season. Just go ahead and do that. But we appreciate Fantasy National for supporting the Tour Junkies, as always. Good stuff. Uh, listen, we're going to have quick announcements. We're about to get right into it. Go to tourjunkies.com and check out the article by our boy Tyler McCutcheon. Uh, p- p- wrote an article about the addictions of the Ryder Cup. He's addicted, and he, he, he took a very introspective look at it, you know, at that addiction. And um, it's a good article. It's like a little, it's like a seven-minute, eight-minute read. It's free on tourjunkies.com. Check it out. It's pretty funny. But if you're handling Ryder Cup addiction and you're trying to, you know, push through the rest of this week like us, go go do that. And shout out to Tyler McCutcheon for knocking that out. He's going to be a you know, a contributor on tourjunkies.com, writing some fun stuff, not really yeah. betting DFS related, but just kind of adjacent. I, I believe it's Taylor, actually. Taylor. Did I say Tyler? Taylor. You're, you're, you're all about some Tyler. Oh, man. Wow. Well, you know, I had, we had a week off and it just kind of, I'm a little rusty. Sorry. Okay. Uh, sorry, Taylor McCutcheon, right? Yeah. Did I get that right? Thank you, Pat, for keeping me on. Uh, and listen, after the show tonight, there's nothing else coming out this week. We are going to have some interviews coming up. We've got a Luke List interview dropping next week, probably. Uh, and we're going to be back for the Sanderson Farms preview on Monday night, the DFS show and the betting show. And starting next week, it's like eight weeks straight. So you got eight PGA Tour events that we'll be covering for the rest of the calendar year 2021. So you're going to want to check that out. But Pat, I am pumped and ready to go for tonight, the Ryder Cup. We are going to have a and just a tremendous show we're, we are we're going to talk a li- very little bit about the golf course the tournament how everything works for all you basic noobs out here that are just now starting to watch the Ryder Cup we're obviously going to get into some storylines some takes so we're going to talk about bets a lot of prop bets that we like I've got a number of those that we're looking at we're going to briefly tell you what's going on on DraftKings for DFS and then at the end this is what I really want to tell people to stick around for at the end we're just going to go ham. I, I, we only have this one show tonight, so I'm just going to start pounding the tequila drinks. That's what I have right now. Mm-hmm. I've got some tequila yeah. soda. I'm already a little concerned that I don't have enough beers. Like, I'm going to have to probably leave the pot. I'm, I'm going to have to take one, too. Like, just with the one show, we can go deep with the sauce, you know, because we don't have to do another two shows after yeah. this. So I'm planning on getting deep, and by the end of this episode, we are going to relive our, a few of our favorite moments from... Hazeltine when we were there on site in Minnesota, as well as Paris in 2018 on site at Le Golf National. We've got some funny photos, some stories behind those photos, and a few videos and some stories behind those videos. And uh, I'm just going to say... I can only imagine what we're going to come up with here. I'm just going to say Pat um, in Paris is, is great. I, I Unfortunately, I'm not able to show you all, of, all that I want to show you, but I've got some good stuff. There's a law. There's written law. There is written law. Do. Hopefully, I can add enough context to some of these funny things uh, where people also think it's funny. 
I laugh. You know, I think a lot what I'm going to need to do because I'm going to be laughing too. I think that I'm going to need to go from beers to some rosé at the end. Like I think I think rosé yeah. is called for by the end okay. of this podcast. All right. Well, that'll be at the end. So let's get into it, Pat. Um, first of all, what what are you drinking right now? Are you drinking beer? Is that what you're doing? Yeah, a little wildly. Um, they okay. sent me the uh, the the Coast West Double IPA. Wow. I meant to get into this a uh, couple or last you week. Get all but these I new ones. Yeah. 10%, man. 10% in this bad Praise boy. God. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, by the way, uh, a lot of people in the chat already commenting on our shirts. Um, they're phenomenal. They're, they're beautiful shirts. We, yeah. we had these made in 2016 in preparation. Which another reason I'm wearing mine, because not just USA, but I feel like it's a good luck shirt yeah. to be wearing. Tonight. Yeah. When we made these shirts, they won. And so we're going to rock these. Team USA, big old Golby on the front. Uh, these were our Hazeltine shirts and I'm wearing, uh, I'm doing kind of a mixed get up here. My, my 2016 shirt, but my 2018 hat, the, the hat I got off of eBay, uh, the Brookline Ryder cup hat signed by captain, uh, Ben Crenshaw when, when they had the, the, the Brookline miracle there. Um, so I wore that 2018 with the Brookline t-shirts. I should have worn that. Why didn't I wear that? I, I knew you were going to wear this. I should have worn the other one. Maybe I'll go change. Maybe I'll do yeah, that. Yeah, do that. Um, Pat, why don't you talk a little bit about the golf course, just very little bit about Whistling Strength, okay. the format, yeah. kind of how things work and the schedule and that kind of thing. Fantastic golf course, by the way, Whistling Straits here in Kohler, Wisconsin, just north of Sheboygan, Wisconsin. Uh, did I say that right? You say Sheboygan, golf course, by the way, Whistling Straits here in Kohler, Wisconsin. Okay. Sheboygan, A. Yeah, uh, it is a par 71, 7,390 yards. Um, you know, you may remember it was, I think it was a par 72 uh, the last time they played a major here. But uh, number 11, they have changed from a par, which was kind of an easy par 5 uh, to a, a little bit longer par 4. So there's a little bit of a change there. But this is just a huge property. I mean, it's, it's gigantic. A lot of hills. It runs along the, uh, the, the shores of Lake Michigan. Just a beautiful course. It's kind of got a Lynx-style feel to it, which you might think would, would play in favor of the Europeans. And I do think there is some advantages they may have with some wind and weather that we may get this week. But it is definitely set up to be a bomber's course. And that's absolutely what the U.S. intended to do. That's what Captain Stricker and his team of whoever sets up the course wanted to do. They wanted to make it fit the bombers better. You do have to control your ball pretty well around this course. Um, you know, into these these greens, especially there, there's a lot of slope, a lot of undulation. Um, but the rough really isn't all that bad. I mean, I've seen videos of it; it's basically nothing. Now, if you go way offline, you're in some deep fescue crap. Yeah. But still, the bombers are definitely going to have an advantage on this course. I mean, the the first hole is a 360 yard par four. Wow. I mean, Bryson's just going to you know spray it out there as far as he can have an easy chip probably and make a birdie. So that's what you're going to see here. There are bent grass. It's creeping, creeping, bent creeping grass. bent grass, which will kind of yeah. sneak up on you and be like, you know, oh, yeah. you know, you could scare you. Yeah, it's, it could be scary. And so um, you got to look out for that creeping bent grass. But that's the course. It's going to be beautiful. It's going to be set up well for the Americans. But could be, uh, you know, could be some, something sneaky there if the weather and the wind uh, blow pretty hard so uh, that could backfire for the u.s but uh there you go it's the course preview yeah um and so obviously you've got uh, t- competition if you're really new to this starts on friday goes friday saturday sunday on friday and saturday 
you have two sessions. You've got that's right. Um, you've got four balls, which is uh, which is where every player plays their own ball, and you take the best score of the team. And then you've got foursomes, which is alternate shot, one ball, uh, and that's that's where things can really get hairy. I love foursomes. Love watching alternate shot. And I believe four balls is what starts us off at 8 a.m. on Friday morning. We don't have the pairings yet. Uh, those will probably be announced late on Thursday, I believe. Um, so we don't have pairings yet, but we have plenty of prop bets that we're going to be taking down. Those are already up on a lot of, a lot of sports books, DraftKings Sportsbook, points bet. Uh, so we're going to talk through those in a little bit. And then Sunday is all your singles matches. So you've got 12 singles matches. All, all the guys are going to go out. Everybody's going to play 1v1 U.S. versus Europe in all 12 matches. And that is where uh, a lot of things can change quickly. And so currently, the European tour or the European team uh, holds the Ryder Cup. So in the event of a tie, they actually get to retain the Ryder Cup. So the U.S. needs to win 14 and a half out of 28 points in order to lift the trophy on Sunday. Uh, that's, that's something to know. Very important to know. I think that's probably all we need to tackle there, Pat. Yeah, there are. Uh, I do have to show this though, real quick for those watching on uh, for those watching on YouTube. Let me throw this up here real quick. We've got a couple of Nut Hut members. Look at these guys. There's old Jason. I think that's Jason Valley Valet something, and Brian, old Brian Halverson, a long yeah. time long time Nut Hut member. They're standing there right there at at Whistling Straits this week, having a good time, looking like a couple of. Uh, like those guys look like Nut Hut members, let's be honest. If we were going to yeah. have poster boys of Nut Hut members, that's, that's kind of what they look like. So if you're wondering what the Nut yeah. Hut's like, here's Jason and Brian. Just forging a new friendship. Yeah, friendship. On the shores of Lake Mich- Michigan in beautiful Whistling Street. That's kind of Jim Nance-ish there you had, you had going there. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what happens in the Nut Hut. It was a Nut Hut meetup. They didn't plan on it. You know, they were, I saw them today, they were D- or yesterday, they were DMing each other or messaging each other in the Nut Hut where they're at. It was like a little little nut hut rendezvous in the yeah. uh, at Old Whistling Straits. It's quite beautiful, quite beautiful. Pat, there's so many storylines with uh, with the Ryder Cup this uh, this year. Obviously, well, I guess we should go through the teams. I guess we should go through the teams. Team Europe. We'll start with them. We'll start with them. Let's talk about the rookies. They've got uh, a few rookies here on uh, on Team Europe. You've got Victor Hovland, the stud. Uh, he's probably going to be a, a Ryder Cup staple, I believe. Shane Lowry. First Ryder Cup appearance and burned Weisberger uh, snuck in there at the last minute. He's making they're all the three of those guys are making their first Ryder Cup appearance. Uh, Matthew Fitzpatrick, Tommy Fleetwood, Terrell Hatton, and John Rahm making their second Ryder Cup appearances. How crazy is that that John Rahm's first appearance was in Paris? Yeah, that is that is that crazy seems to me. Wild, but yeah. Um, yeah. So they're making their second appearance. Obviously, Rahm best player in the world right now doing the damn thing. Paul Casey making his fifth Ryder Cup appearance. Rory, his sixth. Ian Poulter, his seventh. Sergio Garcia, his tenth. And Lee Westwood, the old fart, his 11th Ryder Cup appearance, and that is Team Europe. It's, uh, it's a lot of veterans, and it's you know the powerful rookie in Victor Hovland, and it's not that strong of a team. They're obviously big underdogs if you look in the, in the sports books, which we'll get to in just a minute. But other than John Rahm, like, it's John, it's Rory, and then it's a big drop-off, if you ask me. Um, so that's, that's Team Europe. We'll get to them later. Also, I, I should have mentioned this earlier. Our boy Mark Hill, European Tour expert, is going to be joining us here in just a few minutes to give his takes on Team Europe. 
as well as defend why he thinks Team Europe is worth a bet or two. He's going to give us some of his favorite props. Uh, there you go. Now, Team USA, littered with first-time Ryder Cuppers. Yes. These guys have played in the President's Cup, but listen, F the President's Cup. You know what I mean? F the President's Cup. I don't care about your President's Cup experience. It's different. The sh- hit's different when it's the President's Cup, okay? The Ryder Cup is a different beast. I realize it's match play. I, I realize all that. But I'm just telling you, I ain't seen nothing on the grounds of a President's Cup that is remotely close to what goes on at the Ryder Cup. The history, the, uh, the, the beatdowns that have occurred from Europe to the U.S. in recent history, it's just, it, and the U.S.'s dominance of the President's Cup just makes it not that interesting. So I don't care if you've got President's Cup experience. But the rookie... I, I will say this. I will, you agree? You will, you will hear from me in a little bit. There, there is, I will reference the President's Cup for one particular player. Okay. I guess I'll let you do that. But l- listen to the rookie class in Team USA. First-time Ryder Cuppers. Daniel Berger, Patrick Cantlay, Bryson DeChambeau, Harris English, Colin Morikawa, Xander Schauffele, and Scotty Scheffler making their first Ryder Cup experiences. Also bananas to me that Xander is making his first Ryder Cup appearance. That, that struck me very strange. Um, Tony Finau, Justin Thomas making their second. Two other guys who... Uh, made their debut on uh, at Le Golf National in Paris when we were there. Um, so Finau and JT, Finau played really well, as did JT in Paris. They were probably our only two bright spots there. You've got Brooks making his third appearance, Spieth his fourth, and DJ, the Wiley veteran, making his fifth. So the youth of the U.S. team is quite apparent right off the bat. Um, your most experienced player being DJ with five, this being his sixth Ryder Cup Six. appearance equal to Paul Casey, um, but then the uh, immense amount of experience with guys like Lee Westwood, uh, Poulter, Sergio on the other side. So it's going to be really interesting. We come in young, and I think that's good for Team USA because we come in with not a lot of scar tissue, right? Like more than half our team has not had their, you know, their peckers kicked in by Team Europe for the last decade. You know, they don't have that. So I, I don't know. I think that's interesting. Pat, Any thoughts or just takes in general on the team and how it how it all panned out uh, from obviously captain stricker and captain podrick harrington as well on team europe well i i love i love team usa i, I think i like the fact that they have so many rookies from the I, usa I, yes I, I agree with you that it's it's nice that they just don't have those bad memories um that some of these other players i mean even somebody like dj in his interview today he mentioned same thing he thought that you know it was a good thing that some of these guys didn't have like you said the scar tissue and and i do believe that i think that that's um that's gonna be helpful i think a lot of these guys too that are rookies um you know they have they have a lot of fire to them i think um you know guys like scheffler you don't see that out of him a whole lot but he definitely has that fire english is a guy that has a lot of experience you know when he played for Georgia, I mean, they kicked ass when they were getting into the team and match play type events. And so it's not like, you know, these guys are just new to this and, and this team atmosphere. So I think that um, I like the makeup of the team. I think it's uh, it's got a good mixture of, fo- of folks there. And the, the European team, to me, is exactly how I think they would be. I, I do wonder if the play of going with more experience, like a Sergio and an Ian Poulter, 
now look, I know this is uh, the European folks are just going to kill me for saying this because those guys are fantastic Ryder Cup players. But, you know, Poulter hasn't been fantastic this year as far as his play. Neither really has Garcia. He's had some some times where he's been okay. Um, Garcia, so yeah. So it makes you wonder a little bit um, about those guys. But I, I do think, but it's like this every year. Top to bottom, I feel like the U.S. team always looks better. And then the Europeans just come in and, and crush us. Um, so we'll see what that looks like uh, come Friday morning. Uh, I think Friday is a very important day for yeah. these guys. I, I think if, if you saw, like in Paris, Friday seemed okay in the morning, and then all of a sudden it just went to shit the rest of the time. And, and so I think Friday is, is probably – and there's definitely more pressure on this, this, this USA team to get out to a good start because if they don't, it'll get even worse, uh, you know, coming into the weekend. Before we get into kind of the, the, you know, um, the internal things of this current team, I want to talk about a couple of names that are not here. And the first one is Captain America, RIP Captain America. Uh, you know, he obviously, we, this is well-documented on the tour junkies podcast. If you've been listening for a minute in 2016, Patrick America, Pat, Patrick America, Captain America, Patrick Reed, uh, figuratively and spiritually, definitely not physically, kind of touched me on the tip of my mm. uh, of my loins um, on Sunday on the hallowed grounds at Hazeltine when he went head to head against Rory and just puts just he deposited he deposited into my soul that Sunday on number one to start. And mm-hmm. then as the round went on, and I just felt that, and it was so strong, and it carried over into 2018 when we made the Captain America t-shirts and took them to Paris, and I may or may not have thrown them at Justine and, his, uh, and her sister on driving by on a golf cart, uh, where he just... I have evidence of that. Where he, he, did do, he did do that. Yes, where he just completely crapped the bed the whole, the whole week and just didn't do anything. He nearly died a month ago, possibly, in the hospital. Um, and frankly, there's probably a lot of discussion as to whether or not he was even, uh, you know, whether or not people were possibly texting Captain Stricker, calling Captain Stricker in meetings with Captain Stricker and saying, we don't really want Reed on the team. We've got enough of a circus with Bryson. Obviously, Reed's comments after the Ryder Cup in Paris were uh, no bueno. He threw Tiger under the bus. I think there was some beef with Jordan as well. Or, no, it was because he didn't get to get paired with Jordan. Um, he had such a good record with him. There were some words. He, he was mouthy to the press. So, you know, this new U.S. team is really led now by DJ, JT, and Jordan. And you feel like Jordan and JT are going to be the ones in, in Captain Stricker's ear. And I could see a scenario where that's, you know, just they may have asked for him not to be a pick. And it is kind of easy to make that decision considering the month, uh, you know, the, the illness he had a month ago. But life without Captain America is going to be interesting for me. Like, who's going to take up the mantle of being the guy that you feel like he's the hacksaw Jim Duggan, right, of the, Ryder, of the U.S. Ryder Cup. He's out there with his two-by-four and his flag and his muscles and his, you know, he's ready to roll, his big beer belly, and he's ready to pound some skulls. You know, who's that going to be? Because really we have, I don't know that we have any of that. Like, Jordan hasn't done it because, like, Reed's kind of overshadowed everything, but, like, Who's the main driver of 
you know, do this for country because the U.S. has, has never really given you that vibe outside of Captain America. So who is that? Do you know? Do you have an idea? Is it Jordan? Is it JT? I, I think most would probably say it's JT. Um, you know, because I think that, you know, JT does have that fire and he shows it a lot. I mean, Jordan does too, but but JT, I feel like for some reason is just the one that is extremely important to this team. But a sneaky guy is Finau. I think Finau, you know, he just seems like he embodies America. I mean, Finau is just, he's a great dude. He, he obviously loves his country. Yeah. He wanted to be on this team more than anything in the world, I think. So I think Finau, to me, is maybe the most important player. Now, he may not be the MVP, but I think he's a very important player for this team. If he does extremely well this week, I think he can be a leader as far as firing him up, for one. Um, you know, I, I think this is a team, though, that they, they've already said that they don't necessarily feel like they need a guy that's, you know, rah-rah and whatever, that the way Stricker handles things and kind of goes about his business. They just feel kind of an extra confidence with that. Um, but for me, Finau is, is sort of the sneaky, you know, just possible most important player on this team. Maybe not the MVP, but I think he's a, he's a very important player this year. I li- that's an interesting take. I don't know that I would, if I were going to, I don't know that I would fully back that, but it is an interesting take. You're going to hear a lot more about Tony Finau from me here in a little bit. Uh, the other person I wanted to talk about who's not here, and I want to address this, is Kevin Kisner. Uh, and uh, and some would also say Kevin Nah, and I I just think for the first time in recent history, our captains, our our captain, probably with the help of the assistant captains, has made the right decision in leaving Kevin Kisner and Kevin Nah off the team. As much as I love Kevin Kisner, and as much as if if. You're talking about the guy I just talked about. If you're talking NFL, he would be like the locker room guy, right? The guy that, that, that fires everybody up, that brings everybody together, that brings a certain attitude about him. That is for sure Kevin Kisner. But as we saw in the flesh, face-to-face with LaGolf National in 2018, Pat, I will never forget walking up that hill when we had to enter after that ridiculous long Ugh, freaking gee. trek to get on that golf course to get to that golf course it was a logistical cluster bang in paris but after an hour and a half commute to get to this golf tournament and coming up over this steep hill you could see nothing but the sunrise in the morning yes coming up this steep hill and you come over the top of the hill and you see one in the distance with the big stands and all that but I think it was number 17. It was a par four, maybe short par four, but it was 400 yards or 420 maybe. I think it was number 17. And I have never seen in person a golf course that had a par four whose fairways were uh, that tiny. tiny. I remember looking at it going, wait a minute, is this a, is this a, is this a golf hole that we're, we're competing on? It is literally as wide as a three-lane road, like white line to white line, three-lane road. And I, I remember on, on the first day on Friday, I was there when they hit the first ball off the first tee. Pat wasn't there because he was hungover. More on that later. Um, I remember thinking, wow, we don't have that many fairway finders on, on our team. And guess what? We got annihilated at Le yeah. Golf National. Who was we, the player that played well? Webb. Webb played he's well. Like, 
Well, Finau, <laughs> Finau played well, but Finau's he did, a good, he he's a good short track bomber, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but, but, like, we ignored course fit, and the Euros handed it to us in how they set up that golf course. That's something that if you don't know, if you're a Ryder Cup noob, you may not know that the, the home team gets to set up the golf course. So in 2018, they tightened the fairways. They grew the rough crazy. They, they, uh, they tucked all the pin positions. They, they made it a course that suited the Euro game. In 2016 at Hazeltine, Davis Love set it up a certain way. And, and, and we heard from the Euros pissing and moaning in 2016 that we had the flags in the dead center of the greens that the fairways were wide, that the rough wasn't a big deal. And it's set up for scoring, which is where the U.S. is going gonna, is gonna to do well. If it's a, if it's a gettable golf course um, like Hazeltine t- looked to be, then we set up well. Um, and then the Euros turned around and really punched us with Le Golf National. So from a course fit standpoint with Whistling Straits, we saw it host a PGA event not that long ago. Jason Day won it. We saw it host a PGA. It's a long, brutal course, and... and we know how Captain Stricker is going to set this up. He's going to set it up to suit the length and the distance and all the pop in the bat that we have with our, with our deep roster. And Kevin Kisner and Kevin Na just don't, I just don't want to see them in singles having to hit a four iron when, you know, when Rory's hitting, you know, seven iron or whatever it may be. Like, it's just a big, big, big golf course, big ballpark. Kisner's on record himself on this podcast saying i don't like the 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 long like the freaking freakishly long golf courses he's on record of saying it would he love to be on the team a hundred percent but i'm just saying it didn't suit well for him i thought our captain's picks were spot on i i agree and i think um going back to those fairways in paris my god i i can't even stress enough how skinny those things were. I mean, you made a good reference to the three lane. I'm telling you, I've never seen road. anything like that in person ever. Yeah. I mean, you, you walked out there and knew that, that this was a problem. This was a big problem immediately. Yeah. And, but you're right on the scoring aspect too. I mean, that's what the U S wants. I mean, they want, because if you look at the stats, I saw this actually, I think I was watching golf channel or something earlier this week. And they were bringing up kind of three major stat differentials between the Americans and the European team on average. And the scoring was the biggest one by far. I mean, it was the biggest differential. These these guys that the U.S. has are scorers. They are birdie makers. They're not just out there plodding around and, and trying to make pars and do whatever and hit fairways and hit greens and get out of there with a the par. No, they're trying to be aggressive, and they're trying to score. And that's how they're trying to set up this course at Whistling Straits. Now, like I mentioned, the weather changed that a little bit. But still, overall, it, it should set up very well for them. Uh, but I'm t- with you, too. I don't think Kiz should have been on this team, going back yeah. to that. I, I just don't think so. I'll tell you what sets up well for me, Pat. You know, we started talking about HelloFresh a few weeks ago. I started using mm-hmm. it. Now I've, I'm actually a full-time subscriber. I've been cooking some HelloFresh meals. I just had the unfried chicken with some mashed potatoes and some carrots. It was delicious. Fall gets really busy. Hey, you don't want to do meal planning and shopping and chopping and all that kind of stuff. You just want to get back. You want to, you know, you want to take it easy. You want to do your thing. You want to watch football. HelloFresh takes care of you. You get a lot better value. It's 30% cheaper than shopping at grocery stores. You get pre-portioned ingredients that ensure that you don't spend money on all the excess stuff. It's super easy. I mean, I'm a good cook. My wife's a good cook. It's just so easy. It ta- most of the meals take 30 minutes, maybe 40 minutes. It's actually kind of opening our app, our, our, our palate a little bit. We're trying some new stuff. And I'm like, man, I'd like to have that 
regularly. It's so good. Um, we, we're really enjoying it. So go to HelloFresh.com slash TourJunkies14 and use code TourJunkies14, all one word, for up to 14 free meals, including free shipping. That is HelloFresh.com slash TourJunkies14 and promo code TourJunkies14 for, uh, for 14 free meals and free shipping. That's America's number one meal kit, HelloFresh, and we thank them for, for sponsoring the podcast. Good folks out there at HelloFresh. And, and I'm, I'm serious. I, I love what I'm getting at HelloFresh. It's great. Pat, I want to talk about the uh, kind of the, the aura, right? The moods, it, the moods behind the teams, right? That's a big thing. You know, you got, you got people yeah. that say Europe is uh, this, this just group of, of just, well, it's like these guys are, you know, they're like, they just like, they live together all year long. Like they're on the cast of real world or something. They're just the best of friends and, um, and they have no problems, no issues. Team USA, cluster bang. A bunch of independent, selfish, just, you know, uh, rock star mentality, egomaniac nut jobs that are having to come together for this three-day event and, and make everybody, you know, think that they care. So you've got the Brooks and Bryson thing. you got all this stuff. I, I, I have two thoughts. Number one, I think this is just one of those, I think this, because this team, when I read the names on this team, a lot of these guys, a lot of these guys I find are probably very easy to get along with. Obviously, Bryson and Brooks, not so much. But I think for the most part, they're all really easy to get along with, right? And yeah, I, I agree. And, and, and they're all, uh, they're, they're, a lot of these guys are well connected. I see this event, you know, regularly on the PGA Tour. These guys don't want to, they don't want to like give up too much or they don't want to, um, they don't, they may not want to let on that they're, that they're fighting something or let on that they're, that they're anxious about something or that they're intimidated or whatever. I mean, they, they're not going to do that, but this is, did you ever go to, did you ever go to youth camp, Pat? And do, yeah. And do something called the trust fall. Oh yeah. Did you yeah. ever do the trust fall? The trust I've fall. I've done that. I've done that as an adult. <laughs> you don't oh, praise God. Well, I mean the trust fall, you know, you get like six of your, your, closest well or sometimes you don't even know them maybe strangers and you you basically say hey stick your arms out and i'm going to stand up here above you and like on like a ladder Mm -hmm. and i'm not going to look at you and i'm going to turn my back to you and i'm going to cross my arms and i'm just going to fall backwards and i may break my back or bust my head wide open but i'm counting on you guys to catch me because i trust you yeah and i i kind of think this is one of those weeks it's like the the trust fall week of Every two years, if you want to count the President's Cup every year for, for the Americans, it is the, it is the, it's the one week where these guys can be vulnerable with yes. other golfers that every other week mm-hmm. of the year, they, they, they're, they're killers and they got to hold stuff close to the chest and, or maybe they, maybe they, they share things with one of these guys, but not with the whole team. And so I think that could be especially with these young guys that don't have all this baggage, these first-timers don't have all this baggage, and they're just ready to, like, flip the script and say, you know what? U.S. is used to getting their, their, their brains kicked in by these guys, but this is a new, new sheriff's in town. You know what I mean, boys? And we're going we're gonna to put our arms around each other, and we're going to do the, we ready. You know, we're going to the, um, do all the things that you do to get hyped before, and we're going to do the trust fall, and we're going we're gonna to be friends. And I think there's going to be more camaraderie on, on Team USA than you would think. And you can't tell me that there's not issues 
behind the scenes on Team Europe. Like, you can't tell me that. Lee Westwood is a douche canoe. He's a, he's, there's no way that all of these guys like Lee Westwood. Lee, Lee Westwood. There, there's, it's impossible. They, they may fake it like they like him. Lee Westwood is a tool. I just don't believe that. And probably six of these guys are looking at Bern Weisberger and thinking, who the f- let him in? You know, so they're probably pissed he's even here. <laughs> they're, one, they're wondering, like, they didn't even, they had to introduce themselves to him. Yeah. Now, a few of them. Sergio, you know, he's softened in his later years. He's a, he's a wily veteran. But yeah, there's guys that don't like Sergio. He's, he's easy to not like. Like, really easy to not like. Uh, you know, so I, I just think there's probably going to be more camaraderie than we've ever seen with Team USA, and I think that's going to be beneficial. What yeah. are your thoughts? No, I, I, I think, you know, maybe they're better at hiding the, any issues. Or, but the thing is, when you have Brooks and Bryson and what's going on there, it's like, you know, they, they, they're just the complete distraction, and there could be a little fight going on, a little skirmish going on in the corner of the European tour, but nobody cares because they're just looking at the Brooks and Bryson thing because those are the ones that are, are more polarizing and, and that kind of stuff. American players in general are also more polarizing than the, most of the European players. They're, 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 they've got more of a spotlight on them. You know, I mean, you look down the list of these guys, a DJ, a Bryson, Brooks, JT, Jordan Speed. I mean, all of these guys you know, tend to have a little more media scrutiny and, um, you know, just attention than some of these European guys. And, and, I, and I think now more so you see the Europeans now that, that are playing more on the PGA Tour, um, you know, do have some scrutiny, like a Rory, somebody like that, obviously, you know, there's a lot of folks that, you know, that, you know especially with the, the, the Masters and things like that. But um, overall... I don't think it's just always, you know, kumbaya in the European, you know, locker room. But they do do a better job of not letting any of that get out or trying to be too dramatic when it comes to that. But I do have some thoughts um, on some other aspects of of what we're we're seeing here this week and what seems to be um, being put on the U.S. or some, I think, common misconceptions. Okay. But I think we got a guest. Do we do we need to bring in the guest now, or, or do we want to go with? Uh, I think I want to hear about your misconceptions real quick before we bring Mark on. I'm happy about well, Mark. Okay, well, you know, Padraig was so Padraig Harrington's the captain for the European team. Yeah. Okay he he had some comments yesterday. Now look, he's just answering a question. Okay, so that so I'll give him the benefit of the doubt here, but I think he underestimates a little bit the fire. And especially the the feeling of being a part of a team that the U.S. players have, because he basically said, well, you know, us Europeans, you know, we just really enjoy being part of a team. And, you know, Shane Lowry thought that he he might be a, a I can't remember what team he brought up. I think it's maybe a rugby team. And, but and then he was like, OK, and, and Sergio thought he was going to be a footballer, <laughs> a soccer for you, you folks here in the U.S. OK. What is the we're the USA? The USA. We watch we watch college football like we're uh, religiously. We grow up grew up with that. We grew up with the NFL. We are all about team. To sit there and say that American players or people in general are not about teams is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard in my life. Now I'm putting a few words in Padre's mouth, but. 
<laughs> what I'm saying is, is that we are all about team here. And every single one of these players are playing an individual sport. Not just, not just, you know, everybody wants to say, well, you know, the U.S. players, you know, everybody's, they're all individuals. Well, so are the European guys. They're all, like you said earlier with, you know, these guys, they want to beat each other's brains out every week. They're not playing as part of a team except for once every two years or if they're playing in the President's Cup once a year. I don't think that the team thing ha- is a problem. I really don't. I think all of these guys enjoy being a part of this team. They want to be a part of this team. They want to win. They, they would not be the players that they are on tour if they didn't have that drive to win. I, I just don't believe that. I think it's, it's sort of a cop-out media whatever to say that. Now, I, the problem is, too, you get people like Brooks that add fuel to the fire by saying, I think because that was what brought up the question to Harrington was that it was talking about Brooks and his article saying it was an inconvenience or whatever he said. I, I believe wholeheartedly that these guys love being a part of this team, that they want to win as bad as anybody. And so I just, I I do not agree with this whole assumption or whatever you may call it, that Padre seemed to kind of throw fuel to the fire on that you know we don't enjoy being part of a team and things like that because that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. I mean, I guarantee you, a Justin Thomas, who's a huge Alabama fan, you know, was grew up watching sports and team sports and wanting to you know maybe play for Alabama or play for his favorite NFL team or his favorite NBA team or whatever. So you just cannot tell me that that's not ingrained in our hearts and our you know way of living in the U.S. We love team sports. And we are all about team. So I, I just disagree with that. And I just think with seven first timers and then two more guys who this is their second opportunity, this is a whole new ball game. Like the entire U.S. team makeup is, has been completely altered. We don't have the old veterans and the Phils and the, uh, you know, the Furics and the, we, we don't have those guys here. You don't have Tiger, who's an interesting dynamic. I mean, God. Now, Tiger's Ryder Cup record wasn't incredible, and he was the most probably self-centered guy on the entire planet for when he was doing his thing. So it's interesting. I guess, I guess at this point we should bring on Mark to defend that Team Europe and, and possibly rebuttal our, these takes here and also give us kind of his thoughts on Team Europe and some of his favorite prop picks. So everyone, please welcome, for the second week in a row, our boy Mark Hill the new host of the European Tour Junkies podcast that's going to that's gonna drop next week. What's up, Mark? What's up, TV? I'm going to try and not be a douche canoe and uh, <laughs> rock, rock team Europe here. Hey, but what's if up? I'm a douche canoe, if I'm a douche canoe, so... Do good, I not get a welcome? Yeah, I, I, I don't get a welcome. <laughs> what's a... Uh... No, there's, there's some statements being made here, which, um, yeah, uh, maybe I will be a douche canoe at the end of this. Oh, we'll oh see. okay. Yes, what, what's a uh, what's an equivalent douche canoe word there in Northern Ireland where you are? Like, what's a what's a word you'd say that we wouldn't say here when you really want to oh, hit? You're really pushing me here. You're ta- uh, you know, you're talking about Bryson or something. <laughs> I, I can't say it. It would be an expletive. I think it's 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 a term that would still be used in the U.S. So I, I'll leave that out. Okay. Well, if, you, if well, you think yeah. of one that's not like that, that, that if we it's one know. that could get us canceled, don't say. Like that. I remember, yeah. I remember, uh, I remember our boy Baldo, Stephen Bowditch, told us about an Australian word. Uh, it's it's sook. If you say sook to to an Aussie, that's a really bad word. I don't I don't really know what it is. So don't don't cancel us for that. But I'm just repeating it like 
Uh, my mom always used to say, don't repeat it if you don't know what it means. But all I know is it means bad stuff. Um, but something like that. You know, if you think yeah, of that, I want to hear it. It's 2.30 in the morning here, and I'm really trying to think about Northern Ireland slang words, and it's, <laughs> it's not coming to me at all. So, yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, Mark, we're excited that you're joining us. I, I know next week you are going to be putting out your own content on the Tour Junkies YouTube channel and podcast channel for the uh, the Alfred Dunhill links from St. Andrews, the old course, correct? Uh, not one, not two, but three links courses involved next week. So, yeah, it's one of those fun... Fun mixes, oh. but yeah, trying to dig into the links data at the minute, trying to see how we, we approach next week. And uh, yeah. yeah, maybe we'll, we'll have a, a little European team. So, wait a second. With, with a wait tokens. a second here. The European, yeah. I've never seen that the European tour does what we, we do over here, which drives yeah. me crazy with the three course events. <laughs> yeah, I, I think the, the links aspect of it, it sort of gives that different vibe where, you know, it's three historic courses. It's the old course at St. Andrews. It's Carnoustie as well. You know, it, mm. you're bringing in some very you remember about this? prestigious courses. Um, it's usually played as a pro-am as well for the first two days. Which, oh, God. You know, yeah. So, what a slow, slow. Yeah. We, we, we can thank COVID for probably cancelling that, although I haven't heard for, for right. sure. But yeah, Justin Timberlake and Justin Rose, uh, I think, were the team winners the last time. So yeah, wow. there's lots of lots of little nuances. Um, but it's it's... It's to be fair, it's it's a fun event, and um, usually the cream rises to the top come the end of it. So hopefully we'll pick a few bits next week that uh, nice stand out. Nice, thank you, uh, thanks for that, Mark. We're looking forward to that. And and Mark's been active in the Nut Hut. So if you're in the Nut Hut and you want some European tour intel picks thoughts, Mark's been in there as well. Uh, all right, man. So you've heard our rants. You've heard our yeah. you've heard our our American optimism. <laughs> now give us you know give us the uh, all the reasons why. We're going to be disappointed come Sunday evening. Yeah, well, you should win. Yeah, the pressure is on you, though. That's the and, problem. You know, yeah, the pressure is all on on the US team. But like, Europe can ride up here and maybe get a miracle at Medina type. You know, try and come in here. No pressure is on us at all. Go out there, better captain probably on paper as well. You know, there's a few bits and pieces. So, you know, I am narrative fitting a little bit when I go over a few bits and pieces here. I am clutching the straws, but it's it's a two horse race. Someone's got to win, someone's got to lose, and everyone likes the plucky underdog at the end of the day. So hopefully, <laughs> Team Europe could deliver on that side. So the one the one thing I'm going to touch upon first is experience, and yeah, it's going to be the narrative hit on every airwave that you're hearing this week is the is the US team experience, or sorry, the, the Team Europe experience over the US experience. But it has to be an advantage. It has to be an advantage, and like twenty five point five. Uh, 25 and a half is Sergio Garcia's score in Ryder Cup history. And that's the combined score of the U.S. team history. You know, something like that stands out like a sore thumb. You can bring in these rookies, the enthusiasm, the excitement. But at the end of the day, I would rather have what Padre Carrington said is if you're going on the road for an away trip or an away game, you want the experienced guys to stand up. And that's that's what I think will be delivered come the weekend. You know, four of the top five most experienced here are part of Team Europe and Garcia, Westwood, Poulter, and McElroy. Um, I touched upon Sergio Garcia. Like, I'm loving him this week. I, I really think it could, it could work out well for him. I think he's going to tee off first come, uh, come Friday morning as well. So I have a lot of hope in Sergio, a lot of hope in, in the up-and-coming rookie and, and Victor Hoffman, or up-and-coming. He's obviously established now. There's a nice little blend of the team. Yes, I touched upon it last week where there, there, there is guys out of form. But, like, to be fair, I don't think this tournament's going to be won on strokes game data. It's not going to be won on recent form. It's, it's a one-off exhibition. It's something that's 
a little bit different from what we're used to seeing. Um, it's going to be fun. Like, I just don't know when it, when, it, when it boils down to whether the US team can just have that relaxation about them where they're, they're going to have that fun and the weight off them. Whereas I know the European team can. There isn't the weight of expectation on them. There isn't that pressure and the European team can come in there and hopefully deliver. What do you, what do you, what's your response to this like camaraderie piece and like the, the, um, this idea that everything's just all, you know, rainbows and, and unicorns and in the team Europe locker room and everything in the, in the USA, you know, hotel is nothing but, you know, just clicks and just guys being dummies. Like what, what is your take on all that? Listen, I, I think you can feed off the energy of other, other players that are on the same team, but how much of the Ryder Cup comes down to teamwork? You're paired up with one or two guys the first couple of days, and then your individual come Sunday. So how much does the actual team aspect really boil out on 1v1 golf when we come to Sunday, when it comes to the, the nitty-gritty? So that's something that probably is overplayed a bit. In the, you know, Everyone's trying to fit narratives at the minute. Everyone's trying to yeah. think about, right, Let's try and find something to put the U.S. team up down about because you should cakewalk this. You know, you should walk yeah. this easily. It's set up for you guys to win this tournament, hands down, by four or five points and, you know, go home happy. But with that comes the expectation and with that comes everyone trying to curve fit in other narratives for other, other uh, arguments. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, talk about some of your favorite bets, Mark. I want to hear. I want to hear a few of your the bets you're. Yeah, at right I'll, now. I'll get to the bets in a second. There's, I think you're downplaying some of the teams or some of the players that have maybe been left out. And um, you know what I want to try and look at is maybe angles that my captain or captain in Padraig Carrington is going to look at. You know, maybe he's logging into Fantasy National. He's looking at those peak die design. You know, last twenty four rounds. You know. I don't see Steve Stricker blogging into Fantasy National or Data Golf and trying to, to really get into the numbers. So we're hearing all about this strokes gain data and we're hearing about how great the American team is. Yes, you're all high-flying in the, the World Golf rankings. You're high-flying in the recent stats. But, you know, I, I looked at it and I was looking at Pete Pai design, for example, and I was thinking to myself, right, we're in a Pete Dye, Pete Dye design course. Tita Green, who, who's popping there? Number one's Colin Morikawa. Is Colin Morikawa fit? Do we know that for sure? How much is he going to play, really? Yeah, not if sure. he's not right, that's yeah. a question mark. Number two, Shane Lowry, who I don't have any question marks about, rookie or not. I think he's set up well. You said there might be a linksy feel to this. You know, the pressure side of things, he's, he's nailed that with a major on, uh, what we'll say, home turf in, Nor- in Northern Ireland. He's from the Republic, but same thing. Uh, <laughs> yeah, kind of. Um, Number three, Brooks Kepka on Pete Dye Design, Tita Green. Uh, is Brooks fit? So there, there's two of your top three on Pete Dye Design. Outside of that, though, Lowry, Casey, Hovland, Beastberger, Ram, all in the top 10. So, you know, there, there's maybe one narrative you could fit. And maybe, maybe, maybe my captain is sitting looking at those stats and going, okay, this, is, this team can work. You know, another bit I want to touch upon is the world, the world golf play, uh, the, the match play. Now, I don't know if you, you would really wait too much into this, but it's this is an exhibition. The, the world match play is a bit of an exhibition. And yes, you said earlier about how different a Ryder Cup experience is. For me, the, the rookie side of things and the pressure will, will build up there. But in terms of the WGC, this year, only two of the US team made it out of their groups compared to four of the European team. And since the last Ryder Cup in 2019, we had another WGC world play or world match play. 
none of this US team made it out of their groups. Four of the uh, European team topped the group. So it's a, it's a little narrative. It's something that might go, right, match play is going to come into effect here in a little bit. So, you know, uh, maybe that 1v1 mentality might be there for some of the, the uh, European guys might tick the boxes. Um, so you know, there's little narratives that I'm looking at. And, you know, let's, let's look at another fantasy national thing. The other sort of thing that might level the playing field, and you've touched upon it earlier, was the weather. Um, now, yeah. Steve Stricker can control a lot about the course, but he can't control the weather. <laughs> so this week, uh, I think leading in, we were looking at Friday being fairly windy. It looks like the latest I've looked at looks like it's died down a little bit. But to be fair, Saturday looks very windy. Um, and we'll lead into one of my prop bets that I'm going to get to in a second. But, you know, I could see my captain looking on to Fantasy National and going to that windy AF and, and you know, clicking through the rounds. And, yeah, you start to see the number one in the field, the Sergio Garcia, and ball striking in, in windy AF conditions. So little things like that, that there's, you know, you know yourself when you're betting or DFS for the PGA Tour, how often does a strip sink come from nowhere or someone off the field, even... Sanderson's farm next week, Sergio Garcia spoiled the party last year, coming along out of nowhere and, and winning yeah. when he had no resemblance of form. This is three days of golf. This is match play. This is an exhibition. It's fun. And that experience, the match play side of things, and those little curve-fitting narratives, I have a closer, like, US should win, but I have a closer than the betting odds would suggest. Let, let me ask this because, and I want to. I know you want to get. We want to get to your your picks, but I, I have a couple of things that I, I just need to talk about that you you kind of brought up a little bit that that I think I'd like some more clarity on. One is is pressure. Okay, so I mean, can we have it both ways with this for the U.S.? So we're we're saying, and I'm saying too, because I did say it earlier that the U.S. has a lot of pressure here, or more pressure than the Europeans, which. I do think is is true, but yeah. there's also this narrative that the U.S. players don't care as much about the about the Ryder Cup. Okay, so if you don't care about something, which I don't think is true, usually you in general you don't put a lot of pressure on yourself. If you have something that you don't have, you don't you know you could take or leave. I feel like you would play a little more loose because you're like oh whatever. So I, that immediately debunks the whole not caring thing because i don't think that's true at all i think all the u.s players care to win um so that's one thing another thing is about match play and i, I kind of wonder why there is this this other sort of narrative out there that the europeans are better at match play now maybe that we've seen that obviously in the Ryder cups we have seen that so that you know i'm being proven wrong already with what i'm saying at least as far as Ryder cups are concerned but it's not like U.S. players don't grow up doing match play. I mean, they have the U.S. amateur. You know, they they play match play in college golf all the time. They they play a lot of tournaments with match play. So I'm I kind of more ask that question from a European angle. Like, why is it? Like, what do they do over in, in Europe that's more match play driven than we do over here? Like, I don't necessarily understand why that's necessarily a narrative. And then we talk about we can go get into foursomes and talk about you know, playing, you know, you know, alternate shot golf. And everybody's like, well, you know, Europe, you know, are so much better at foursomes. Who, who plays alternate shot golf? Nobody does that. It's not like you, did you grow up playing in, in Europe, playing alternate shot golf? 
Uh, absolutely not, as far as I and, know. And I know. I, so I why, is that even, why is that even something, too? Like, <laughs> yeah, it, a lot but, of these things that come out, and I'm like, I don't understand them. I'm just trying to understand. I don't understand it, but the record is, I think, in foursomes anyways, 41 and 29 since 2002 in the Ryder Cup for Europe. Um, obviously, we have different kettle of fish now with different team members and a different vibe to the U.S. team generally. But, you know, the record speaks for itself where it's 41, 41 and 29 since 2002 in Ryder Cup foursomes. So, you know... I, for whatever reason, Europe seemed to have an edge there historically, and, and it seems to just go on. And I would touch upon most of the, oh, I'd say a lot of this European team have played college college uh, golf anyway. You know, it, yes, the US team have that experience, but also those top European guys have been over there playing college golf and have that experience as well. So it's, it's something that all golfers, I'm assuming, have grown up with. And to be fair, I don't think there's a, an edge or an advantage either way when it comes to, to match play necessarily. But so far, the stats are backing it up in terms of what has historically happened in match play, in terms of the results. Professionally, anyway. This has definitely shown. I just don't know if I understand why there should even... I mean, I guess... I understand why there's a narrative. I get it. Yeah. But I don't think there is really that much reasoning behind it. Like, I don't think you could pinpoint and say, well, the European team does this more, the US team does this more. It's really not. It's just obviously favored the Euros more lately, but that could easily flip. Yeah, and you can be gu- you can be guilty of trend fitting. Like we are at a stage where betting wise, sample size wise, it's not a massive sample that we have for match play. It's not a massive sample that we have for Ryder Cup. Yeah, it's you know we're looking at data that is very minimal in terms of data in terms of sample size, and that makes a huge difference long-term. So maybe this trend bucks and, you know, we come out of it and we see something completely different in the next 10 years, but because that sample size is so small betting wise, you can't really drive any value or, or extract something from those numbers. I'm going to play it up because I'm trying to make a case for team Europe, but (laughs) to be fair, it's not something you could really rest your hat on and say, yeah, hundred percent team Europe have that edge. All right, we got we got to get to the picks because we we haven't even done our picks yet, and then we're gonna show all these uh, old photos and videos of me and Pat at Ryder Cup. Lovely. So we got to hit that. All right, uh, Mark, tell us some of the props you're on, um, and and you know hopefully we can uh, we can make some money somewhere with Team Europe. I think Team Europe have a winning day in them. Now that to me is not going to be on day three. I think head to head. The U.S. team should have that advantage. The weather looks like it's going to really calm on the Sunday. But in terms of Friday or Saturday, you're looking at possibly having an edge on day one or day two. So this is trying to take a bet that you either Team Europe wins team day one or Team Europe wins day two. And both, are, both look to be priced up around plus 180. I've seen it as low as plus 160 and lower. Lowest I would go is plus 160. But if you're back in both your Team Europe to win day one and day two and they win one of them you're coming out with some profit there at the end of it if they win both you know quids in it we'll, we'll, we'll smile and we'll be happy about it but to me a plus 180 i think the european team have a real good chance and especially if it's day two day two winner plus 180 with all the wind and play a little bit of fatigue maybe that rookie buzz and, and come down from day one to day two haven't had that real adrenaline burst in the first day there could be a few different advantages so i, I do favor Team Europe winning day two because of the weather advantage um, and some other experience advantage there. Uh, day three, I wouldn't touch because I, I do think that the US will come through there on day three. But definitely a plus 180 for day one and plus 180 for day two. That's something I'm looking at. There was another one that really interests me. Um, I have to 
I have to caveat it by saying that you guys suggest that we're going four balls first um, on Friday, and I thought we were going foursomes first. And I've seen different narratives, and it doesn't seem very clear exactly yeah, what's happening it, it on is, Friday morning. Yeah, it's it's well. So I I believe it's foursomes, but do you reckon it's four balls first? So, yeah, I saw four balls on CBS and one other website, not the Ryder Cup website. So we'll see. Okay, it's like anything. It's like it's like trying to. Do the European tour tips whenever you don't have any course data and you're trying to <laughs> take around for information. So there was a guy, uh, a guy called Dave Tindall, that does tips in the, in the UK here, and he had William Hill pricing up uh, which European golfer and which American golfer will be first to tee up. It's a novelty bet, but if you can find that out there, and if it is foursomes, which I believe it is, but if it's four balls, we might still get the same narrative. So Sergio Garcia is plus 400 to be the first European tour golfer to tee off at the Ryder Cup this year. If it's foursomes, he's likely to be paired with Rory McIlroy. And with that in mind, hole two is a par five and you want that length. So if Sergio is teeing off tier is teeing off on tier is teeing off on T one, uh, we're gonna see if it's foursomes, we're gonna see that alternate shot in play and then Rory teeing off T two. And given that Harrington is the uh, sort of stats geek, if you like, coming in with the narratives, he's gonna try and 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 have that. And you've also got that experienced narrative coming in and, and the most winning golfer and who better to tee off that first ball than Sergio Garcia at plus 400. Uh, John Ram is the favourite at plus 225, I think, but I, I just don't see him putting Ram up first. I think we're going to see JT and Spieth against Sergio and Rory as the first. And what a way to start the, the Ryder Cup. If that's what we're getting on Friday morning, I'm getting the popcorn ready and away we go and if they put sergio with rom which i could see them doing the spanish the the, the spanish duo out there doing their thing um i think the, the same logic applies on alternate shot mm-hmm. you would still want rom yeah. off on the on the second hole the par five that's a sharp bet i like that mark all right you got any more for us well the, the inverse of that is, is the u.s side of things if it is john uh, if it is jt and spief going first i think we're going to see spief going on the first tee and again that's priced at plus 450 so you know it's the same sort of narrative if it is alternate shot which i'm hoping it is then we're going to see spief going off first and then jt off uh, the second hole and then if it's not i still think spief you know is one of the more experienced guys within that Ryder cup setup is going to be one of the first guys to tee off so i do think we're getting that match up it's then just trying to grab that before the thursday tea times are announced to the thursday parents are announced tomorrow night um so yeah that that's that's about as much as I have at the minute, I've looked at different things and I wanted to get your perspective on generally where the price is for the full matchup. So we're having Europe, or Team Europe and Team USA. Price almost identical this week is the Cincinnati Bengals playing at Pittsburgh Steelers in Heinz Field. Would you rather have the Bengals going into Heinz Field and winning or Team Europe taking down Team USA? Ah. Oh. Uh... What's more likely to happen? I, I think it's Team Europe taking yeah. down taking down USA. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And I think if you're if you're sitting at a US uh, if you're sitting US facing and all the sports books are coming out and legalization, these sports books are trying to chop your hand off right now to get your business and take your money. There is lots and lots of boosted odds out there. There's lots of promos. There's lots of specials. The Ryder Cup is this one that gets the armchair fans in who aren't watching golf religiously week by week. You know. They're not looking at the Alfred Dunhill next week or the Sanderson's Farm. They are here for the Ryder Cup and they want to bet it to have an interest. And I would say if you aren't 
betting orientated. Have some fun this week. Play some novelty bets. Try and find a boost. I think I've seen the a hole in one priced up at plus four hundred. There will be books out there that will price that up in bonus uh, and specials at plus six hundred, plus eight hundred. Try and find those little novelty bets that you can have something to cheer. And if it's Team Europe that does it and the US go on to win, at least you have a little bit of fun with uh, Team Europe landing that hole in one. So just have fun with it, guys. Like betting, yeah. you can take it serious, you can have that edge, but also in a novelty event, if you like, but one with a little bit of an edge to it, have some fun with it as well. I love it. Love it, Mark. I love the first tee, uh, the first tee shot ones, because then if if you if you hit one of those, because you're not expecting to hit that, right? Like you're going to bet that you're not going to expect to hit it. You can you can have the best logic in the world, which you do, and you're not you're still not expecting to get that right. But if you do, it's the first tee shot on Friday, and now you're like, <laughs> yeah, daddy's yeah. daddy's got some extra cake, baby. We it's it's, it's kind of like some of the Super Bowl the Super Bowl bets that you if get you get with, the coin you know? toss right, you're like, yeah, boy, we about to <laughs> roll. Yeah, start with a coin toss, finish with a Gatorade color, and you're, you're, you're that's it. Yes, in. absolutely. Which, by the way, I, by the way, I'm very good at. I nailed that Gatorade last year. Color. I did. I nailed that last year. <laughs> um, awesome. All right. Well, thank you, Mark. Uh, Mark Hill, the resident tour junkies, European tour expert, uh, coming out with the podcast and YouTube video next week for the Alfred Dunhill Links Championship. It's going to be a, a pretty good field and a great tournament to watch. Uh, probably one of the best tournaments left of the year. So. You're going to want to catch Mark uh, on that. Mark, anything else, man? Any final thoughts? No, all good. Listen, when the pairings come out tomorrow, I will be in the nut top just giving a, a bit of feedback betting-wise. There will be matchups that really stand out, and we'll try and find a bit more value. Because most of your audience is, is U.S.-facing these sort of inflated prices about the European golfers, you can make the most of. So I'm going to try and yeah. pick out a few there, drop them in the nut top, and yeah, we'll, we'll have a bit of fun for the weekend. Love it. Awesome. Thank you, Mark. We appreciate it. You're staying up late. You're doing your thing. You're, you're, a, you're an all-star, man. We appreciate it. Cheers, guys. Have Thanks, a Mark. good week. Enjoy the Ryder Cup. Go USA. <laughs> um, all right. Thanks to Mark. That was awesome. Let's get to our prop picks, Pat. I've got a handful of them here. We're going to run through these. So if, you, if, you're, if you're wanting to tail these, you need to get your pen and paper out because we're, we're ready to roll. Yeah. Um, I'm mine are all like scattered around because like as I've dug deep into these books and so I just kind of wrote them. I don't really have a great order to these. So I'm just gonna throw them. I'm gonna start throwing them out there. I'll throw one. You throw one. You want to do that? Okay, fine. All right, here we go. Um, day one, f- uh, the four balls winner. Just four balls. Who's gonna win day one? Team USA or Team Europe? I'm gonna say Team USA. I like them in the best ball format. The talent factor to me. They're gonna be playing their own ball. So you don't worry about as much of the alternate shot team chemistry, same golf ball crap that uh, that maybe the, the team Europe would have a slight edge on. Uh, I I like the USA to win day one four balls because of the talent factor. Um, so uh, by the way, I'm staying away from the overall line. I just I'm not going to bet. I don't I don't think Team Europe is going to win, and I'm not going to bet the the big number or the short number on USA to win. So I'm not even messing with that. So. Day one, four balls winner, USA plus 100. That's my first one. Okay. All right. Well, then I'm going to jump to some more individualized bets, and I'll go – I'm okay. going to start with the top rookie. Okay? Ooh, I think so, I've got that. So I'm going to go with the top rookie, yes, and I'll I give do. you uh, who I think the top rookie is going to be on the U.S. team and the European team. I'll start with the European team, and I think this is probably pretty – it's probably pretty obvious, but I think uh, you got uh, – you got Hovland at five to one. Now, this is top rookie overall, 
meaning not between because obviously you yeah, know U.S. or Europe. Not, yeah. There's not many rookies on the European team, but I like him at five to one be the top rookie in okay. this event. And then for the Americans, I like Daniel Berger at eight to one. I, I think okay. Berger is a. I don't care if it's DFS betting or whatever across the board. I think Berger is a great play this week. Um, you know, and, and I alluded to this earlier when you brought up the President's Cup. You know, he played in the, the he he's not a rookie to team events because he did play in the last President's Cup. Uh, had a decent record. I think he was two and one. I think he he was he was one and one between the matches he played in foursomes and four ball, and then he won his um his singles match against Siwoo Kim actually. Um, but here's the thing about Berger that I liked. You know, they asked him, you know, leading into... So the U.S. had pretty much won the President's Cup on Saturday. It was ridiculous, you know, the last time they played the President... This is the one that was uh, over here, not not the one in Australia. And, um, you know, they talked about, you know, are you going to be kind of more relaxed and whatever because you, all they needed was one point in the singles matches to to win. And he was like, no, I want to beat their brains in. And so I, I like that about Berger. Like, yeah, I don't care about his record necessarily at the President's Cup, but I liked his attitude. Like, he just wants to beat people. I think Berger brings a lot to the table in the, on this team that people might underestimate. I think he's actually got some Kisner mentality that people wanted on this team, and they're getting with Berger, and they're getting with a better course fit, and they're getting with, you know, a better, uh, you know, a player in better form, a better, you know, just as good, if not better, of a putter than Kisner is. I mean, Berger is a fantastic putter, so I think that's huge for him. So I really like Berger this week in a lot of different formats, and okay. especially betting. I, I like Berger too. I'm high on him. I think it was a great pick. Uh, my top, I have one top rookie overall top rookie, and it was Xander. Uh, you can actually get a slightly better number with Xander on points bet at plus four fifty. I like Berger. I think Xander's a killer. We know that Xander's going to be paired with his best buddy in the world, Patrick Cantlay. I think they're a great duo. I think he gets a slight. I think because of the known versus the unknown, I don't know who Berger's going to go with. Like I don't. I'm not really sure who they're going to put him out there with. And we've we've gone too long already to speculate into pairings. But I do feel confident that in in some of these team events, the first uh, team sessions, the first two days, we're going to see plenty of Xander and Cantlay. Um, I agree. And, and I think that that gives me a little bit of confidence there. And I think then for the singles matches, Xander can take it. So top rookie for me in both teams is going to be Xander at plus 450. All right, you're up. All right, I'm going to go with... Um, hey, why don't, you do, uh, why don't you do two, and I'm going to go refill my drink real quick. Okay, I'm going to do... I, I'm going to go... So I'll follow up on top rookie, and I'm going to go with top point score overall, okay? Um, and then I'll break that up between the top USA point score and the top European point score. Um, overall, I think Cantlay at 10 to 1 is a really good number. You know, you look at Cantlay and the the confidence he has coming into this week. He's obviously the reigning FedEx Cup champion. He is coming in in great form with a lot of confidence. If you watched, by the way, if you have not watched his press conference from today, uh, which is Wednesday, I would go out and try to find it, whether it's you look at your own Twitter or whatever. Go look at Cantlay's press conference. It is fantastic. He is in a great mindset. I think he could um, really be a key this week for the U.S. team 
And I think he could be the leading point scorer. So at 10 to 1, I think that's a pretty good number for him. Now, if you want to go more long shot there, um, and this is this is overall too between the Europeans and the US team, Berger at 30 to 1, maybe. The only thing about Berger that might concern me there is will he get to play in all the matches? I, I don't know. I don't know if he'll get to play in all the matches. So we'll see there. Um, the top, you know, if you look at the top European point scorer, I like Shane Lowry at nine to one. I, I think Lowry at nine to one is a fantastic number. I love him in this format. I love him on this course. Mark mentioned him earlier. I, I think he is set up extremely well to have a great week for this team. Um, you're looking for a little bit of value here when you're looking at some of these prop bets. You know, not just trying to go with the the, the John Roms of the world and the Ian Poulters who who tend to you know already have great records and Sergio. So I think Shane Lowry at nine to one to be the top European point scorer is a, is a good number for him. And, and I think he is a, a key player for them this week uh, going into whistling straight. It's a good course for him. Everything else. He's just laid back fun, dude. Um, so there you go. Well, what was their first one real quick. Top point score between the two teams overall. Can't lay at 10 to one. I really like that number. Okay. And then longer shot number. I, I mentioned Berger again at okay. 30 to one. But I don't know if Berger's going to get in to all the matches, which, yeah. you know, so that's the key there. Yeah, that's obviously something we haven't mentioned yet, is predicting... Same in TFS. Yeah, predicting who's going to play the more, you know, the most matches. Um, obviously, you, you can play a max of five. Not everybody's going to play five. Um, there's going to be plenty who are, we're going to see twice, plenty we're going to see three times. So it's predicting who's going to have five matches, um, which I would guess... I would guess Jordan and JT on the American side are going to have five. I think they'll have five. I, sure. I feel like I do have a feeling about Finau. I'm with you. I on, think Finau's going to have five. I think Finau's going to have five. Um, and then we'll just see. We'll see how it goes. I think Xander Cantlay could have five because I think they're going to. I think they're going to go out all four sessions the first two days. Um, so I think those guys are up. up do up you think? There. And we don't. We obviously don't know this right now. But do you think there's going to be some good prop bets to? potentially jump on after friday yeah i mean i i think in general i think in general just being able to live bet this thing is really the way to go uh, and, yeah. I, and I, I think some of these some of these bets were given you may just want to you know bookmark them or, or or uh make a note of them for when the pairings come out and we do figure out foursomes four balls i mean obviously if a guy's not up up there in the first session on Friday, that's a that's a problem. I don't know if I'd be betting that that guy. So you just don't want to pay attention when they do finally release these things and then act quickly um, before books start changing lines up on you. But that's something to pay attention to. And I think it's definitely in play for a live betting scenario. I would love to just, dude, I would love to just sit at home and live bet the crap out of the Ryder Cup for three days. That that sounds amazing. Yeah, I plan on I'll doing also, that. I'll say this too because I'm seeing a few comments on on the chat, um, and I don't know they're not necessarily meaning this, but I wouldn't, when you're looking at DFS, or maybe even betting too, but more DFS, don't just think about trying to take guys that are, you know are going to play in five matches. Because that, that could backfire on you a little bit too. Like, if you get a guy that is, is only going to play in four, but he goes four and oh, well, it's going to be better than the guy that, you know, plays yeah. in five and goes one and four. So, I mean, yeah. don't just zero in only on guys that you think are going to play five matches. That's not the only, you know, main strategy concept that you need to be looking at it's one of them for sure yeah 
Um, in 2018, JT played all five matches. Uh, Rom did not. Isn't that kind of wild? Rom played three hmm. in 2018. So, yeah, it is tough to predict. It just depends. All right, uh, I'm going to run through a couple here real quickly. Top U.S. point scorer. DraftKings offers two, like, where you can pick two players. So it's an either-or top U.S. point scorer. Two names we've talked about a lot already. Tony Finau or Daniel Berger is 5-1. to one. So you get both of them for 5-1 to one to be the top U.S. point scorer. I think that one's interesting. And then the shortest number that I like there is Spieth or Scheffler at plus 330. Uh, I think... I think all, all four of those guys make an interesting case. But Finau or Berger at 5-1, to one, actually kind of, I mean, I feel like that number should be at plus 330. Like, I would rather, yeah. I would almost rather take the Finau or Berger at 5-1. to one. I mean, or, or, if it was plus 330 and Spieth Scheffler were plus 330, I think I would take it. Because here's the thing about Spieth. Even though he's got all the experience, right, and, and he's a leader, he's a new leader of this team, um, this course isn't great for Jordan Spieth, right? It's, no, not it's not super great for Jordan. Um, so we'll see if he play. I don't know that Jordan, I don't see if, like, I feel better about Finau playing five matches than I do Jordan playing five matches. Finau's longer. Don't you feel a little bit, though, like Jordan is, he, he's not course proof, but there's a lot of, there's a lot of courses that he gets on that you think are not yeah. going to be good fits he's for him. He's as close as anybody could be to, to course proof that's that short off the tee. Yes, I agree. All right. By the way, these are doubles, so and and so it's a little different. Like there are also top U.S. scores that are just singles. Oh yeah, yeah. I have Did I you? have some of those, but that, yeah, okay. that's what I'm saying. These I didn't know doubles. if you I didn't know if you specified. Yeah, I said that, that you're getting either Finau or Berger together at five to one. Okay. Spieth and Scheffler at plus three thirty. Um, again, going back to Finau, this is a matchup I saw most points won. Finau even money over Tommy Fleetwood. I think that's a no brainer. Now, weather pending, um, but I think Finau's shown, shown to play really well in tough conditions. Obviously, we're both, we're both really high on Tony Finau's uh, spot this week. Yeah. But even money over Tommy Ladd, to me, I mean, Finau's got the length on him. He's got a better around the green game. Don't, don't sleep on Tony Finau's short game. Like, he's a very good, uh, you know, very good grinder around these greens. Uh, so I think that one's interesting. And then let me give you another quick one before I jump to you. Let's see. Um, so DraftKings also offers uh, margins of victory. So if you really buy into the U.S., the U.S. to win by one to three points is plus 250. To win by four to six is plus 350. Obviously, if they only win by the half, you're screwed. Or if they win by seven, you're screwed. But you can pick one of those ranges. You could bet both of them. You could hammer one a little bit more than the other, but but have a little bit on the other to, to give you some spread there. But um, I, I do feel like the U.S. is going to win. I, I don't know that it's going to be a full on you know assault and embarrassment for the for the, for team you know Euro. So I think the plus two fifty number to win by one to three points would be the one I'd feel the most com- comfortable with. But I like I like both of them. Okay. Um. God, what else is out here? All right, I got some more. You want me to fire them while you're I looking? May let you, I may let you fire, and then I um, got a few. I see some advantage on points bet that I don't – over DraftKings here when we're comparing these two books. Top U.S. points earners. So U.S. only, top points earners. Tony Finau is 10-1 to 1 on DraftKings. He's 11-1 to 1 on points bet. You get a little break there. That's Finau again. 
Here's a name we haven't mentioned. I think DJ is going to have a sneaky good Ryder Cup. And I say mm-hmm. sneaky, and it's kind of weird to say that. He is the veteran on the team. Um, I think he's tremendous in match play. He's never frazzled. This is a perfect course for him. Uh, he could play with anybody. He could play with Brooks. He could, I, I think you could pair him with Bryson. I mean, I think at the, DJ doesn't give a rip. He, he literally could not give any, more, any less care than he already does. Put him with Bry- I think he play with anybody on the team. It fits him, and, and he's got the experience. I like DJ. He is at 7-1 to one on DraftKings, but he's plus 750 on points bet. So points bet giving you a little help there with both Finau and DJ to be your top USA points earners. Okay. Here, here's one that I think is interesting. The top captain's pick point score. Oh, I have one of those. Okay, so I, I think this is, this is interesting to me. Um, I think... We'll go back to Finau. If if you're looking at Finau, it's seven to one to be the top captain's pick point scorer. So you're taking out all the other guys and it's just the captain's pick. I like Finau. And then I mentioned Shane Lowry before. He's at seven and a half to one. I think he is he's also a good option there as well between the two teams. Okay. I'm looking for the one. All right, here we go. This is the one that I wanted to show you. Cause I have one of those, but it's actually only Team Europe, which the three captains picks would be Sergio, Poulter, and Lowry. Yeah, you can do that too. There's yeah, and right. I think the favorite in that group, Sergio Garcia, is the one that you hammer. Now, Mark loves Shane Lowry here. See, I'm going Lowry. I'll I be- I think Garcia is is nails. He he showed some form in spots this year. He's obviously the most seasoned Ryder Cupper in this entire in this entire tournament with a tremendous Ryder Cup record, 22-12-7 overall in the Ryder Cup. And I, he's got to be looking at this as his last Ryder Cup as a player. I mean, I don't see Sergio Garcia playing in the 2023 Ryder Cup in Rome. Plus 150, just plus money on a guy like that on Sergio. He's, he's got the length still. He's still the ball striker that he's always been. Um, I, I like the number at plus 150. I don't think Ian Poulter gives you much. If, no, you, if you look at I'm, Poulter's gonna, record like, over the last the, couple of Ryder Cups, it's not as good as the overall record leads you to believe. Well, I, I'm just going to be... I'm not doing anything with Poulter this year. Yeah, I'm not either. I, have, I, I haven't he, been nothing. He's, he's going to be my like the, the 2018 Patrick Reed to me. I, I, I just... I, I, I hope that happens, actually, too. I hope he fails miserably this week. Yeah, I really do. I like Poulter though, but I, I do. Yeah, I, I like I do Poulter a lot, bombs. but I do. I hope that he 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 struggles big time. Um, here's some bombs. You ready for some bombs? Because it's hard to find bombs here, right? Kind of is hard to yeah. find bombs, but there are some bets on DraftKings. You can bet on a player to win five points, which is really yeah. hard to do. Francesco Molinari did it in 2018 all over us at La Golf National. Um, very hard to do, but to win all five points means you got to play in all five matches and you got to win all five matches. So I think you got to, you got to narrow that down to those players. who you really believe are going to play in those five matches. I don't like the rookies there. Um, I, I don't, I don't know that I can easily predict every rookie's going to play five matches or which rookie's going to play five matches, but a guy who we've said his name a ton, if, 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 you know, if you're, I mean, we said his name like 50 times. Tony Finau is 100 to 1 to win five points. He, in his first Ryder Cup in 2018 in Paris, he, went, he played three matches. He won two of them. Um, despite the course not being great for him, we enter this course at Whistling Straits that is good for him. To win five points, 100 to 1. 
DJ is 40 to 1, and Justin Thomas is 35 to 1 to win five points. I think those are three names that are, you know, I think you're some of your best bets to see all five matches, and if they could get hot enough, could win all five. And that's about as long a shot as you can get with any sort of Ryder Cup bet that I can find. Yeah, I. I don't mind either of those. I think they're good ones. I don't have any true long shot ones like that. Maybe um, I do see some value on points bet in a different category. I think you mentioned it earlier. Total combined, or maybe you didn't. Total combined points scored. So USA and Europe, who's going to score the most points out of both teams? Yeah, I did talk about that. Okay, Finau is at 16 to 1 on DraftKings. He's 20 to 1 on points bet. That's a pretty big. That's pretty, I like that number. Casey, Paul Casey, who, uh, you know, not bad Ryder Cup record, making his sixth appearance, ball striker, playing well. Uh, Casey is 14 to 1 on DraftKings, 22 to 1 on points bet. Hmm. And DJ is 10 to 1 on DraftKings and 11 to 1 on points bet. So points bet's giving you a little bit of, little bit of extra, extra love there on those boys. That's all I've got. Those are all my my props bets. Yeah, I think that's it for me. Um, maybe I'll post some more in the in the nut hut Pat, in Pat's nobody cares betting card. Ooh, and that. Uh, um, I do have to say this. You know, a new addition to the nut hut is a channel on NFTs and cryptocurrency. And if you're interested in investing in cryptocurrencies but aren't sure where to get started, the Kraken. Release the Kraken. That's something they're going to be talking about with Bryson this week is releasing the Kraken. The Kraken app. You can buy and sell over 50 of the most popular cryptos like Bitcoin, Dogecoin, ever heard of it, and Ethereum. You can do that on the go with the app 24-7. It's really easy to get started. You just download the app, create your account. You're buying crypto in minutes. One of the coolest things about buying crypto through Kraken is you don't need a lot of money to try it out. So even if Bitcoin is worth whatever it is, like 43000 right now, you can buy as little as $10 worth on Kraken to just go ahead and dip your toe in there. So find out for yourself why Kraken has been one of the highest rated places to buy crypto for the last 10 years. Visit kraken.com slash tourjunkies now to learn more or search for Kraken in the App Store. That's K-R-A-K-E-N.com slash tourjunkies to learn a little more and search, or you can search Kraken in the App Store. Thanks to those folks for uh, supporting the Tour Junkies podcast, Pat. Now, real quick before we get into our, our mem- we go down memory lane here because this is going to get long. The DraftKings situation, here's what you, basically what you need to know. It's kind of like an NFL showdown slate where you pick a captain. Yes. Um, and then you're, gonna ha- you're still going to have the salary cap, 50,000, six players. You pick a captain. The captain's score, the, the captain's score is one and a half times um, you know, as opposed to one X, everybody else, you're going to get points for holes that you win. You're going to get points for holes that you have, and you're going to lose points for holes that you lose. Um, holes that, that you don't play because you close out your match, you get bonus points for those. So if you close it out on number, you know, 17, then you get an, you get extra points for not having to play number 18. You get bonus points for winning matches. Obviously you get, Bonus points for having matches. You get bonus points for three holes in a row that, you, that your player wins or their team wins. And you get bonus points for no holes uh, lost in an entire match. That one would probably be tough to, to do, but th- those are bonus points. Listen, I don't love this week for DraftKings. I'm probably going to play 
uh, the $100 single entry and maybe like the $12 single entry. I don't, I just don't love it. I would much rather play around with these prop bets, have some fun with those, knock yourself out with that. Um, but obviously, if you're going to get into it, I would say be contrarian, be, uh, be very aware of how many entries you're playing in, obviously, like, like always. And there you go. That's it. That's all I'm doing with that. I'm done. Yeah. I'm, I agree. I think you do need to be, if, if you play showdown NFL slates and things like that, um, you know, you, you kind of, I, I tend to, to, to put a lot of emphasis on where I'm, I'm, what I'm doing with my captain slot. And then, um, you know, and I don't necessarily, I think ownership matters there, obviously, but then you got the rest of your guys, you got to fill out. Ownership's going to be key a little bit here. Um, it's all going to be high. It's all going to be yeah. high because you only have a few players to, to choose from, but, there could be some little differentials here and there. Um, but yeah, I, I'm not going to play that much this week. I, I just, no. I just, so it's so random. It's, it's just like when you play showdowns. I mean, the people that, like, if you're going to do it, play single entries. Like, like I said, don't play the 150 max tournaments because somebody out there has got a, a huge algorithm computer program thing that's going to fuck you over anyway. <laughs> okay. So just, so I'm sorry. Just saying. Okay. Um, all right, here's what we're going to do now. I'm going to go ahead and cut the audio podcast version because this is if, if you're going to consume what's coming up next, then you may as well be, you better be watching. If you're not watching it, it's not going to be as good. So I'm going to go ahead and cut the audio podcast right here at an hour, 24, 25 minutes, and we're going to continue here on YouTube Live and, uh, and, and take you down memory lane. Memory lane because Pat and I were privileged and honored enough to be on site for the 2016 Ryder Cup at Hazeltine and the 2018 Ryder Cup at Le Golf National in Paris. And they were incredibly memorable trips that I will never forget. And I had a lot of fun going down memory lane, looking at some of these pictures and videos, most of which I could not share. Most of which I could not share. But I'm going to show you on YouTube. I'm going to bring up some pictures. I'm going to play some videos. We're going to do the damn thing. But uh, for, the, for those listening on audio, thank you for listening. May your screens be green and may your bets all win. Awesome. Yeah. See you.